Amen. If you're standing, take your Bible. We're going to turn to the book of Luke, chapter number 1. The book of Luke, chapter number 1. We're going to begin reading the Christmas story in verse number 26 of this chapter. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. <clears throat> and the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. From these verses of Scripture, Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, we want to preach out of verse number 37 especially, where the Bible says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. That's the title of the message today. Nothing shall be impossible. Thank God for that today. Father, we ask your blessing now upon our time together. Bless the reading and the study and the preaching from the Word of God. Empty us of self, cleanse us of our sins, and fill us with your Spirit. And for this we pray in Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated this morning. Now when we look in this text and we consider Mary, a lot of people, they would over-admire Mary. They may venerate Mary. They lift her up on this pedestal, but the Bible did not say that she's blessed above women. The Bible says she's blessed among women, amen? And because some people lift her up and put her up on that pedestal, then there are other people that completely overlook her and put her down and de-emphasize her and suppress her. I'm not here to do either. I'm not here to lift her up, and I'm not here to suppress her either. I'm just here to tell you that she was chosen of God she found favor with the Lord and God sent his grace upon her. And may I remind you this morning that it was God that chose you. It was God that chose you to, to give his grace unto you because you found favor with him and he saw fit to save you. And when I study the word of God, I am convinced with all my heart that Jesus is the reason for the season and Jesus is the reason for everything. Amen. So when I look in the text, we saw a word there in verse number 29 that's the word salutation. Number one, I see the salutation of grace. 
this morning. The Bible says there was an angel by the name of Gabriel. I see the angel's descent. The Bible says that he is sent to a virgin by the name of Mary. The Bible would tell us every time you see Gabriel, he's always bringing glad tidings. He's always uh, giving good news. In fact, we've already seen him earlier in this chapter. He came down to speak with Zacharias and said, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, who is barren, is going to bear you a son. And I begin to contrast the message that Elizabeth, or, or that the Zacharias and Elizabeth heard to that which Mary heard, both from Gabriel. Think about it. Gabriel came to visit the man, Zacharias. He also came to visit the woman, the young girl, Mary. He came to visit a priest, Zacharias. He came to visit a peasant named Mary. He came to an old man named Zacharias. He came to a young lady named Mary. He came to one who doubted Zacharias and he came to one who believed and accepted that was Mary. I'm glad that the Lord still sends good news to his people, amen. I begin to think about where um, Gabriel was sent to. The Bible says that he was sent to Galilee unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. I got to thinking about Galilee, that specific location. It is a place of the struggling. Uh, the land of Galilee was trodden under the feet of the Romans, trodden under the feet of the Gentile. There's no, Gentiles, there's no doubt this morning that the Lord has been sent to us that are struggling. He was sent to the place of separation. Nathaniel, the disciple, said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Amen. And that's where the angel was sent, to Galilee, a place trodden by the Gentiles, to Nazareth, to a place that nobody expects to a virgin, a young, insignificant girl by the name of Mary. The Bible says that in verse 27 that she was a virgin and she has been espoused to a man by the name of Joseph. She is in the lineage. She is in the ancestry of King David. But many, many generations have now passed. They've forgotten. They've displaced her. She's no longer a considered royalty though she's of that line. She's living in poverty. She's living in peasantry. She is poor. She is insignificant. She uh, just is going to get married to a common carpenter. I'm just trying to say that Mary is an unlikely candidate to be visited by an angel, much less to have the grace of God to favor her that she might bring forth the Christ child. And may I remind you this morning, who are you and I that we this morning should receive the grace of God, that we should hear the message of God, that we should be able to be saved this morning and have our sins forgiven. I was walking outside this morning. <clears throat> I was noticing out of the parking lot all of us, we'd been walking, it's wet outside. I noticed our wet, wet footprints coming uh, into the house of God this morning. And I stopped for a second and I thought, you know, Lord, I believe you're going to be here today. And you've come from glory. And the streets there have no weather. Uh, there's no, wet, no wetness there this morning. And I can't track your footprints in, but I know you're here today. And I thank him 
that Jesus is present and we're unworthy and we're undeserving, but here he is present with us that are poverty-stricken, us that are peasants, us that are sinners today. I begin to think how she was chosen. Now listen to his greeting in verse number 28. He says, Hail, H-I-L, uh, that H-A-I-L. That means that uh, greetings to you is what she's saying, H-A-I-L. Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, he's giving her a greeting. He, he's trying to cause her not to fear. But when this angel comes and ministers to her and gives her such an astonishing greeting, that she's highly favored and the Lord is with her. The Bible says in verse 29 that she's troubled at his saying. She is overcome with fear. She's thinking, who am I that the Lord would speak with me? Who am I that God would send an angel to me? I'm unworthy. I, this is unexpected. I, it's undeserved. I, I'm to, this morning, there's nothing special about me. I am not up to the task that an angel would come and share with me that there's a specific mission that God wants me to accomplish. And when she began to deliberate in her human reasoning and in the way we think, and when she began to uh, cast her mind upon these things, fear sat in her heart. I tell you what, you begin to think human reasoning and human intellect-wise, Fear comes to your heart. Look what the angel says to her. He realized her fear. He said, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Now, the word favor with God is the word charis. It is where we get our word grace from. The Bible says, he hath made us accepted in the beloved. The Bible says, you are a chosen generation. The word charis carries with it the idea that God chose you, that God has accepted you. Uh, this morning, you may say, I accepted Jesus. No, honey, he accepted you. You were the sinner, not him. When you called upon him, he accepted you. He chose you and he accepted you. He says, you found favor with God, verse 31, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a child and shalt call, bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. Oh, what amazing grace, that name Jesus. It means Jehovah saves. Look what he says about Jesus. A lot of times people read this, they concentrate on Mary the virgin, on the ministry of the angel. Look what he said about my Savior in verse number 32. He says that her child will be a special child. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. He says her child will be a sovereign child and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. I already said he'd be a saving child because his name is Jesus. Amen. So this angel comes with this salutation of grace to Mary and shares with her all this wonderful news. Mind-blowing, isn't it? Second of all, I want to read verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, 
Seeing, I know not a man. Second of all, Mary is seeking guidance. She continues to wonder. She continues to ponder. She says, how shall this be? Preacher Darren, is she doubting? No, I don't believe she's doubting. Here this girl is. She knows she's probably 14, 15, 16 years old. She knows she's pure. She's undefiled by a man. She knows that she is a virgin. She's maintained a pure testimony. And she begins to think, I'm espoused. I'm about to be married maybe sometime in the next year. And, um, but how's this going to come about? I, I'm not even close to being married. We're, we're more than nine months away from What are we going to do? How's this going to happen? So here's what she's asking. She's seeking guidance. She's awaiting further instructions. Now I wonder if there's anybody here besides me that you've been praying about something and there's some things that's starting to come about and you're like, wait a minute now, Lord, I was praying about this and all of a sudden such and such started happening and I'm just not seeing what you're seeing. And Lord, I'm just not understanding what you're doing. And I'm not getting a hold of what you're up to. Lord, I need a little bit of further instruction. Is there anybody here today you'd say, Preacher Darren, I need a little further instruction from God. Anybody? She's not doubting. She's asking for further instructions. Well, Preacher Darren, he's been pretty specific already. Listen, this girl knows. She is engaged. She's about to be married. She's of the royal bloodline. Her espoused, her betrothed husband, Joseph, is of a royal bloodline as well. And she knows that if she were to come up with a child, it's going to be a great risk because she could be stoned. People would say she's committed adultery. She could be put to death. There's a great risk with this. And even if she's not put to death, her betrothed husband could put her away. She'll lose her finance, her fiancé. She'll lose her finances. She'll lose her reputation. She's going to lose her testimony. Everything that she's lived pure for and kept herself undefiled from, everything is going to be judged and criticized and ridiculed by the world. And she knows she's going to be stigmatized. And she's like, how shall this be? She's going to be humiliated. She's going to be ridiculed. She understands the risk that she's about to take. That disaster and her destruction is imminent if she's moved forward. Listen what the angel says. Thirdly, he begins to share some supernatural greatness. The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Now we read last week in the Psalms about he that abideth in the secret place, right, gets under the shadow of the Almighty. So she's got to get in the secret place. And the Bible says that the Holy Ghost is going to come upon her and the power of the highest is going to overshadow her. She's going to draw, he's going to draw near to her. So she's going to be enabled. The Holy Ghost will be the Father. 
There will be no inherent sin nature from a human father. What about that? The Holy Spirit then says, Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And at that point, the Holy Ghost just puts a veil over the whole conception thing. This is a holy happening. And she will have to accept it by faith that the conception of this child will be miraculous and the conception of this child will be supernatural. He will be the son of God. He will be the son of man. The son of God by the power of the Holy Ghost, the son of man through the seed of the woman. People say, Preacher Darren, it's an impossibility because we know that if you are one and you say you're a son of God and son of man, that you can only be half of one and half of the other. But you see, with God, all things are possible. With God, nothing is impossible. With God, to him, he's full man and he's full God. Amen? He's so much God that he's the bread of life but he's so much man, he hungered in the desert. He's so much man, he was thirsty at the well, but he's so much God, he's living water and he never runs dry. He's so much man, he got tired and slept in the boat, but he's so much God, the storm ceased when he spoke. He's so much man that he wept when Lazarus died, but he's so much God, that Lazarus got up when Jesus cried. Amen. He's so much man that he died on the tree. But he's so much God, he arose in victory. Amen. You see, he's man and he's God and he's 100% both. And he's giving her enlightenment about nothing shall be impossible unto God. Verse 36 he gives her encouragement. He says, Thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Now, Mary has known her whole life that Elizabeth's prayer and Zacharias' prayer is for them to have a child. But they couldn't because she's barren. And now, if God can do the impossible and make a barren womb spring to life, Elizabeth was so old that her womb was considered dead. If God can make the dead womb come to life, then surely nothing will be impossible to God to make a virgin's womb come to life without knowing a man. That the power of God would overshadow her. What about that? Remember, 740 years before, it was prophesied by Isaiah saying, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Thank God for it. Isaiah 7, 14. Then in verse 37, here's our verse. The angel not only gives her enlightenment, and encouragement, but he gives her enablement. For with God, nothing 
shall be impossible. Do you know how many times I started thinking that I have heard that things are impossible? I've heard things are impossible from doctors. I've heard things are impossible from bankers. I've heard things are impossible from lawyers. I've heard things are impossible from salespeople. I've heard things are impossible from church members. This will never happen. We can't do this. This is never, ever going to work out. But this is what I know, that with God, nothing shall be impossible. There is nothing. Will you hear me for a second? There is nothing my God cannot do. If he can cause a dead womb to spring to life, then he can cause a virgin's womb to spring to life. If he can cause a virgin's womb to spring to life, he can be God in the flesh, full man and full God, and live a sinless, spotless life. He had power, nothing's impossible to him, he had power to lay down his life. The tree, did, the cross did not take his life from him. The Romans didn't take his life from him. He had the power to lay down his life and he had the power on the first day of the week to take it back up again. Nothing is impossible to him. It is impossible, preacher Darren, for a dead man to live. But with God, nothing shall be impossible. And on the first day of the week, the stone was rolled away so we could see in that he's not there. He's alive forevermore. And if nothing's impossible to him, then that means that we that are sinners, it's not impossible for him to wash us in his blood and to take our sins away, amen. You may say it is impossible, preacher Darren. I am a sinner. It is who I am. But honey, by the grace of God and by the blood of Jesus Christ, he takes our sins away and tests them as far as the east is from the west. Nothing is impossible to him. And if nothing is impossible to him, there's not one prayer request, there's not one thing he cannot do for you right now, today. And if nothing is impossible to him, then our loved ones which died in the faith he has with them right now, and thank God, one day at the rapture, at the sound of the trumpet, the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Nothing is impossible for him. You may say, Preacher Darren, there's no way that I'm going to live here on this earth and one day go to heaven. Well, explain to me how you got here to start with. Well, you see, my mom and my daddy, well, what, how'd, how'd, they, how'd they get here? Well, Grandma and Grandpa, how'd they get here? Let's go all the way back to Adam. How'd he get here? He didn't get here by a flying saucer. He didn't get here by the Big Bang Theory. Amen. The Big Bang Theory says that there was nothing and something banged. And hello, here it all is. Listen, if nothing hit nothing, you got nothing. You see, God took nothing and he made something out of it. With God, nothing shall be impossible. He made Adam. He made Eve. He made everything that is, and it's how you got here, honey. And if he puts you here, if you'll believe him and you'll trust him for salvation, he'll take you there. There's nothing 
one of these days on the hilltops of glory, on the streets of gold, I'm going to run by you and I'm going to say, I told you nothing's impossible. I told you nothing's impossible. He can do all things. Amen. Amen. Well, preacher Darren, I think you're crazy. Yeah, you're, you're right. I, I am crazy. I'm a nut, but I'm hooked on the right bolt. In Mark chapter number 9, turn with me there. In Mark chapter number 9, they brought to Jesus a young man that was filled with demons. And Jesus had been upon the mountain with three of his disciples, and the other nine dealt with this man. And they could not cast the demon out of this boy. And Jesus and the three disciples came down the mountain about that time and began to ask what all the commotion was about. And this man, he said that, um, Master, verse 17 says, I brought thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Amen. Verse 21, Jesus asked his father, how long is it ago since this came to him? He said of a child, this, he's been dealing with this condition for years. Oft times it cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. But if, I underline that word if, that man said, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. You see that two-letter word, if. Honey, I just told you, he can do all things. Nothing is impossible to God. Look what the Bible says. Jesus said unto him, if, there's the word back, if thou canst believe, don't put the if on Jesus, put the if on you. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Woo! Did you get a hold of that? I felt the Holy Ghost arcing my soul right there. All things are possible to him that believeth. I'm telling you, Mary heard the words of the angel and she believed God. And it I'm telling you, honey, God's trying to do things in your life. You need to quit doubting him and you need to start trusting him. God is wanting to work miracles and do supernatural things in our lives. I say, let's just believe him. If he can cause a dead womb to spring to life, if he can give a virgin a baby, honey, nothing is impossible for him. Mark chapter 10. There's a rich man that's come to Jesus. And Jesus said, go and sell what you have and come and follow me. Verse 25. And the young man, he was sad. He went away grieved. He, he'd rather have his possessions than have the blessings of God. Verse 25. He says, Jesus' words, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. They were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things 
are possible. Don't tell me that God can't save a sinner. You got to me too late. For on July 13, 1978, he saved my soul. I believe him and all things are possible to him that believeth. I got to read one more place. Mark chapter 14. Well, I love this one. Jesus has lived a spotless, sinless life. He's had the last supper with his disciples. He's gone into the garden of Gethsemane under such a great burden. He's about to drink the bitter dregs of our sin from the cup of wrath that God's going to send him. He's under such a burden as he prays that his sweat becomes as great drops of blood. Verse 32 says, They came to a place which was called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. He saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. You know what that means? Abba, Father. It means Daddy. You know what? You and I, he's not just our father. He's our daddy. There's a more intimate relationship than just saying, this is my father. It's just like said, this is my daddy. Boy, I like that, don't you? He's saying, daddy, all things are possible unto thee. Daddy, you can do all things. I know, I believe you, there's not one thing that, 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 can be, that you can't do. Look what he says. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Imagine this morning if that was your child getting ready to die for the sins of a whoremonger, of a drug dealer, of a God cusser and a blasphemer and a God hater and you're going to give your child for their salvation knowing how they would reject and hate. I'd never do it. I wouldn't give my children. I wouldn't give my grandchild. I wouldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And he said, Father, Daddy, if there's any other way, and God the Father knew the only way is through the sinless blood of the Son of God. And Son, I'm giving you the power to lay down your life by my grace. You know what, you know what grace is? God's riches at Christ's expense. It is we getting what we don't deserve and him getting what he did not deserve. Amen. I was reading about, uh, in 1921, <clears throat> Dr. Evan Kane. He was a surgeon in Pennsylvania. Back then, they would use ether, gas, on people to perform surgeries, simple surgeries, and most people would die because the ether was too hard on the heart, and the heart would succumb to the pressure, and people would die. So Dr. 
Evan Kane invented a local anesthetic, but nobody trusted this new way. You know, they thought this new doctrine, his new ways, we don't trust him. So when he got sick and had to have an appendectomy, he said, I'm not going to go to another doctor and be put under by that ether and maybe live through it or not. So he took this new thing he designed or invented called Novocaine and a local anesthetic and he asked for his nurse to come and hold his head and other people to help with mirrors and he began to cut away at his very own flesh. Look it up and did a surgery on his own self because no one would believe him. And he said, maybe if I did it to myself, they would believe the power of this local anesthetic that's been designed. And he did that surgery and lived through it. And many then started turning away from ether to go to Novocaine at that point in time. You know what God did? God said, so they'll believe it. I'm just going to do it to myself. I'm going to lay my son, my life, down on that cross, and on the first day of the week, I'm going to take it back and be raised back again in the beauty of holiness. Honey, I'm telling you, God can. I was coaching a baseball team. It's not in my notes. A lot of this is not. I was coaching a baseball team. Luke was just a young fella, and people would drop off their kids, and a lot of them would stay and watch. And, you know, some of the kids, they might not be a starting outfielder or a starting pitcher or a first baseman. They might have some time on the bench. Everybody got to bat. So this parent thought, well, they're not really getting to play a lot in the outfield, so I'm going to take off to Walmart and go do some shopping and miss my kid's game. And when his son came up to bat, that pitcher was stronger than everybody else there. And, man, he tried to throw a curveball, and that thing didn't curve. It was a three-fingered, three-seam fastball that rose and hit him just under, you know, just under his helmet, above that thing that goes across the cheek. And this is what I heard. And he dropped his bat, and I heard, are y'all ready? I'm warning you. Ah! Down to the dirt he fell. I saw it. From where I was, I took off running. I didn't wait for the umpire to come say, check on him. I took off running because I knew that little boy was hurt. I fell down to where he was, and I picked up his head. I said, son, are you okay? Son, are you okay? He said, where's my daddy? Where's my daddy? Get my daddy. Get my daddy. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. And I said, somebody go get his daddy. Somebody go get his daddy. And they ran through all the stands, and they came back with this word. His daddy's not here. His daddy's gone to Walmart. Man, I wanted to get a hold of that daddy. On the worst day of his life, the worst pain he's ever been in, where were you? And while I was there, God said, this is what I did to my own son. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When Jesus was made my sin and your sin, when Jesus was accomplishing that which is impossible, God the Father had to be separated and forsook his own son and turned his back upon him when he was made my sin and your sin. 
and then we have the audacity to come in here and sing a few little songs and tromp around on the property and say we've been to church when we don't take the time to bow our knee and believe him and thank him and trust him and say, God, you've done the impossible in my life already when you sent your son to die for me and they buried him and he rose again. That was impossible, but you did it. And then you came and convicted me of my sins and you saved my soul. And God, I've been so selfish. And God, I've been so foolish. And God, I bow my knee to say, Lord, I want to trust you for more. With you, nothing shall be impossible. Back to my text and I'm done. In the book of Luke chapter 1 and verse 38, Mary had a response. Fourthly, it was a submission of gladness. Look what Mary said. Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I'm done right here. She believed and she received. (laughs) It's just that simple. She submitted to the plan of God with joy and gladness in her heart. I'm sure that if some of you women back in the day before you were married for and if the Lord appeared to you and said, you're going to have the Christ child, you would have texted somebody and said, God, send an angel. And people would have laughed at you. You wouldn't send the text because you knew they'd crack a joke at you. Just imagine she had the opportunity to be proud. But she's not proud. She also had the opportunity. You know how we are. Some of us, we like pity. My back's hurting. I've been there. I know what it's like. I I like to walk normal. I don't like to fake it. But some people said, oh, he's faking. Listen, I don't care what you think. I know how I feel. And I want to say this to you. She could have used this opportunity to be pitied. She's going to be stigmatized. Her son's going to give his life on the cross. Her daddy said, girl, you have embarrassed our whole family. Daddy, can you hear her say, daddy, I'm going to have a baby. I'm a virgin, and the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow me and come upon me, and I'm going to be with child. What would your daddy have said? Just being real. He just, you're what? you what? You get out of my... I've been just telling you. Can you imagine what she endured? Why, this morning... If I stood up in this church and said, there's a girl that's going to have a baby. She doesn't have a place to live. She doesn't have any way to pay rent. She doesn't have any way to pay uh, for diapers. She doesn't have any way to, to clothe the baby. She's in the most awful shape that you've ever seen in your life. Y'all would take up a love offering for her. And do what you can to try to help this woman and try to help this baby. But when she had the Christ child, Nobody would even receive her in the end. Nobody helped her do anything. She was rejected. 
She was ridiculed. And yet she's not about being prideful or pitied. She's about bowing her knee and saying, God, behold thy handmaid the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word, whatever your will is, that's what I accept because I believe with you nothing, nothing shall be impossible. I want to ask you this morning, do you really believe that? It's a little quiet, don't it? Do you really believe that nothing shall be impossible in your life? Well, I believe that the virgin had the baby. I believe that. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross. And I believe he rose again on the first day of the week. And I do believe that one day, one day God's going to come get us and take us all to heaven. I do believe that. But do you believe that right now he can do the impossible in your life? You stand to your feet. Seth, come play. Maybe you're here today and you need to get on your knee and say, God, I want you to know that I believe you can do the impossible, but help thou my unbelief. Lord, I want to thank you that you've already done the impossible in my life. You saved me when I was unlovely when it was unlikely you've been so good to me and I bow my head this morning and I praise you Father I praise you Jesus I praise you Lord for what you've done in my life the impossible <laughs> the goodness and the greatness and the grace of God and Father You've encouraged me by telling me that, Lord, you've done the impossible in your life and if you can do it to yourself, you'll surely do it for us. And Father, this morning we bow our head to say, thank you for the impossible already being at work in my life. And Lord, I bow before you and I state clearly, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Lord, my faith is not perfect. My faith is weak. My faith is insignificant. Lord, as I bow in your presence, Lord, there are people in this audience today watching online, here in this congregation. God, they're in need of a miracle. They're in need of the impossible. They're in need of the hand of God to be at work in their lives. And God, today, let your will be done. God, help us, Lord, that we would look to you and we would believe you for the impossible, for that which is most unlikely. And God, we give you glory and we give you praise and honor. <laughs> Thank you, God, for working it out. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.